Today's scripture reading is John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, as much as I love the outdoors... Love, like I just I can't get enough of like wild beauty, uh, natural adventure, you know, mountains, bears, trees, camping, hiking, like any of that. Uh, as much as as much as I love all of that stuff, there is one natural phenomenon that I absolutely despise. Like one one place of beauty and wild adventure that I just cannot handle. People, I hate caves. I hate. I hate caves. I'm ashamed to say it. Uh, it feels like it you know, ruins some of my sort of adventure persona. Uh, but I hate, I hate caves. Uh, uh, and I, I, appreciate, I appreciate the beauty of caves. I appreciate the science of caves. And I occasionally force myself down into the abyss because I, I love my family, and they love caves. I mean, my goodness, they love caves. It's ridiculous. Like, Kelly's love of caves is commensurate uh, with my love of bears. Like, that's kind of how, how we are. So, like, I... I hate, I hate caves as much as she hates bears and, and vice versa. And so we go on vacations together and it's like we kind of taunt each other into these like places of deep personal horror is what we, is what we do. Uh, we do have a good marriage, trust me, but it's weird. Like this is just part of our, part of our lives. So claustrophobia for me, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's just there, that fear of enclosed spaces, like... As soon as I start to descend in, like, you feel the damp, cool air and the smells of a cave, and, like, all of a sudden in those moments, I began, like, I try not to, but I, I start to imagine, like, well, what if, what if we get trapped down here? Like, what if, what if we get lost somehow in this space? And, and, then, and then I, like, I literally start to, like, like picture the, the walls or the, the ceiling just starting, like some Indiana Jones, like, death trap, you know what I'm talking about? Like, that's, that's what I feel. So don't, don't laugh at that. You have your own dumb fears, too. You know you do. But I hate, I hate caves. And we, we visited another one just a few months ago, because, again, I love my family, right? It's, it's what you do. Like, and so we did that. Uh, and this particular cave, it was, it was miles long. You can just go for as long as you wanted, right? Just miles and miles and miles if you wanted to. And there's no lights, no lights in this cave, so it's like, it's a bring-your-own-flashlight kind of situation. I'd rather bring my own Xanax, right? Um, and so we, we get there, we pull up, and like, it's, it's completely abandoned. Like, there's nobody there. And so we just like descend the steps into the, ba- like, all alone into the bowels of the earth, like, you know, where Satan lives, right? It's like, and look at, look at them. They're so happy. Like, what? 
what is wrong with these people, right? Why would you do that? And like you get down there and it's so dark. Like have you ever gone like deep, deep, deep into a cave and then like turned off all the lights? You should try it sometime. Like it is, it is the darkest darkness I have ever experienced in my entire life. It is so dark. Now we, we humans have a strange relationship with darkness, don't we? I mean, I kind of think we do, because on, on the one hand, I think most of us are afraid of it or at least find some discomfort in it. Like whether it's driving in the dark or walking around outside by yourself in the dark, hearing some strange noise in the dark, like bad things happen in the, in the dark, right? We're, we're afraid of the dark. We hate it. But we also kind of love it. Like when I'm crawling into bed, like I want it dark, dark, like pitch dark. I, that's, that's, I don't want any light. Or if we're honest and we're like trying to get away with something, well, a little darkness can be convenient, right? If there's something that we kind of want to keep hidden, I mean, we certainly don't want everything about us out in the light, right? Of course not. And so there, there are times when, when we hate the darkness and there are times when we love the darkness. And the idea of light and dark is one of the most common metaphors in the writings of John. John talks a lot about light and dark. And so for John, the, the light symbolizes everything good, beautiful, life, joy, happiness, satisfaction, right? All the good things, right? And, and, and darkness is just the opposite. It symb- symbolizes everything evil and broken, like death and sin and despair, all of, all of the, the wickedness around us and within us, right? And sometimes we humans hate it. Sometimes we love it. And either way... According to John, the darkness is literally trying to destroy us. And so what do we do with the darkness? If you haven't already, turn to John chapter 1. Now maybe, maybe you notice you've been here the last couple of weeks. Like we're still, we haven't moved anywhere. Like we're still, we're still in the prologue. We told you this is going to take forever. Like we're going to be in John forever, right? It's, it's, it's just too much here. And, and the prologue of John, that's a, these first handful of verses here. Um, the, the prologue is sort of like the, the overture of a great musical. Like if you've been to a musical, you know, like that first song, if you're listening closely, you hear themes from all the other songs that are, that are coming, right? And so that's, that's kind of what John is doing here with all these little things that he's, he's dropping out. And so he, he gives us a little bit, like a few bars of light and darkness, if you're, if you're listening for it. But it's going to be like a whole song later on, right? There's going to be multiple songs kind of in those themes. And as, as we jump in, the first verse of this song is the world can be a very dark place. John wants us to recognize that the world can be a very dark place. But like, I don't have to convince you of that, right? Like whether you're a Christian or not, no matter what you believe, I think that's it's a fairly obvious thing. I mean, even just think about this weekend and next, right? This weekend, as, as Nikki mentioned, right, we, we remember the life of Martin Luther King Jr. Next weekend is the anniversary of, of Roe versus Wade. And so we have our own nation's history of racism and slavery and the ongoing effects still at work in our world today. And we have the slaughter of the most innocent and vulnerable, like millions of unborn babies in the name of personal choice and sexual freedom. 
And then you add to that, like, those issues are even darker because we're so, we can't even agree about them, right? Like, that's how dark they are. Like, we're so divided as a people. Like, even, even the fact that, like, we, we've somehow convinced ourselves, or many of us have, that you can really only be passionate about one or the other, right? They're somehow mutually exclusive, which is ridiculous, right? It's not the way it works. And frankly, some of us prefer to live in the dark, minimizing how evil those things really are. And I, I realize, like, <laughs> those are pretty extreme examples, right? I'm jumping in hot here. Um, but, like, even just think about the way that COVID has divided us. Like, that, think, like, that's dark, people. Like, a virus has ripped apart families and churches and communities. It's dark. I could go on, but I don't need to, right? I think, I think we, we know this. We know that the world is, is a dark place. And so, so John, John writes in verse, verse 4, In him, again, he's talking about the word, right, who's Jesus, Jesus. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. You can think about it, like, this is just the prologue. John is just getting warmed up. But he's, he's foreshadowing here the end of his gospel. Like, what, he, what he's talking about in that moment is the darkest day. Like, he's already sort of telling us, like, this is where it's going. It's going to get really dark, people, like, in his gospel, right? Because Jesus is going to hang on a cross and, and die, right? It's, it's the darkest darkness right there. But the darkness has not overcome the light because Jesus burst out of the ground alive, right? So he's, he's already show, sort of showing us where, where, where he's headed. No darkness can overcome the empty tomb, but the darkness is trying to. And th- this is what's sort of unique, and I think what's important for the, the biblical writers, that, that darkness isn't just a passive description of the world but rather it is an active force seeking to deceive and to destroy. It's not just some like random dark cave that just, well, it just happens to be dark, right? No, that's not what it is. It's the walls of evil are, are, are truly trying to crush us. And so this, this is true in a handful of ways. This is true in, in for example, like the world system. This, this would be like the idea of broken cultures, broken values, broken norms. It's, it's the things that reinforce evil that in many ways we just sort of take for granted that makes sin normal or acceptable, right? An easy, an easy target on this one, an easy, easy example is like the sexual revolution, right? Like nobody, nobody believed any of this even, even 100 years ago, even 50 years ago, but somehow our world has convinced us that the only way to be a satisfied human being, right, the only way to have it all is to be sexually free, right? And somehow, we've ended up believing that lie and we end up choosing erotic pleasure over lifelong intimacy. But it's not just the systemic things within our world that make sin so easy. John also believes that there is real supernatural evil out there seeking to destroy us. The devil there's a, there's a real enemy seeking to deceive and destroy. And these things work together, the devil and the world system, right, around us. And so, so for example, like the devil sort of whispers, whispers in, your, in your ear, like you can't possibly be happy with only one sexual partner for your entire life. Like, so he's kind of whispering that. And then, then we live in a culture that says, well, yeah, of course not. Like, if you want happiness, you have to be sexually free. 
And then you add that to our, our disordered desires, right? The brokenness within us is like kind of wants those things to be true, at least partially, right? And that's, that's how the world, the flesh, and the devil subtly destroy us. Are you following that? So the devil tells us lies that our flesh wants to believe that our world reinforces and affirms. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in a little bit here, but I realize like, we struggle to believe in supernatural evil. We can barely believe in God, right? It's, it's really hard for us to believe that there's supernatural evil out there in the world, like personal evil orchestrating the darkness. And yet, like when you look around the world, sometimes it just makes sense, actually. Like in the face of real evil, real evil, isn't it, isn't it just a little bit plausible? Like I even think of, of the Rwandan genocide, right? We have partners in Rwanda, so I've, I've been to some of these, some of these places. But think about the, the brutal murder of 800,000 men, women, and children in 100 days by their neighbors. Like people they worked with, went to church with, like went to school with, like the people that live literally next door to them. They did this with mostly with fairly brutal weapons, 30 years ago. Like, this is not, this is not ancient history, right? This is, this is like in our generation. Like, this happened in a fairly developed country. And when you think about that, so I, uh, General Romeo Dallaire, I think that's how you say his name, Dallaire. So he, he watched it happen. Uh, and he was powerless to do anything about it because of the, some of the issues the West was having and engaging in these, these issues. That was just wrong, right? Um, but he wrote, he wrote these words in response. He says, I know there is a God because in Rwanda, I shook hands with the devil. I have seen him, I have smelled him, and I have touched him. I know the devil exists and therefore I know there is a God. Again, I know like, that's an extreme example, but some ways we have to look at some of those extremes and like, okay, maybe, maybe it is possible. Like, how, what would possess people to do that to their neighbors? In the face of real darkness... You see a real enemy. And our enemy is not, is not flesh and blood. Like, it's not the people we disagree with. Right? It's not the people even who would seek to destroy us. Our enemy is the darkness. The liar himself. And so let me just, let me just ask, do you recognize the darkness? Because if, if you're going to resist it, you have to see it. And you have to call it what it is. Sin. Like we have to be willing to see things that we don't want to see, right? So that we can shine the light. And I really wish John kind of left it there because then we could probably walk away and still kind of feel good about ourselves, right? Because the darkness is like, it's out there, right? It's, it's other people's problems, right? It's other things going on in our world. But of course, John gets personal, for he wants us to see that the greatest darkness is often within us. That's the second thing. The greatest darkness is often within us. Because it's not just the world and the devil who try to snuff out the light. It isn't just evil people out there somewhere. No, that we're also, we play a role in this. Because look, look at verse, verse 9. The true light, again, that's Jesus, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, meaning the world should know, like the world should recognize its maker. And yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
And so the light of the world shows up. And it's not even just that we put blinders on, that we prefer not to see it. No. Like what John is saying is that we, we actively try to snuff out the light. We humans, right? And we're, we're all implicated in this. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, writing from the gulag, like he, ooh, man, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, that is some picture. It's terrifying. It looks much, much more manageable on my, my little computer. Like, that's, ooh, okay. Uh, but writing from the gulag, like, he understood what this means. Look, look what, he, what he writes. He says, if there are only evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them, like, if we, could just, if we could do that, that'd be great. That's what he's saying. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of their own heart? That's not, it's not those people somewhere, right? It's not the ones we disagree with, or the ones we think are out. It's us. Like, we're part of the problem, is what he's saying. It's what John is saying. That we are part of the darkness and again, the, the biblical writers often describe the darkness in these kind of three categories of the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's kind of an old-fashioned way of thinking about this, this darkness. We kind of have, have discarded that. Uh, if you want to learn more, I've been greatly helped by uh, John Mark Comer's newest book, Live No Lies. It's excellent. I'd highly recommend it. Uh, he makes the case that when the, the, the biblical writers talk about the darkness, it's often these three things that he's referring to. These three things working together in concert. That again, as I, as I said a moment ago, like the devil lies to us. The world makes those lies seem plausible because everybody's doing it, right? And then our, our disordered desires like long for it, want, want, want it to be true, want it to be possible. Does that make sense? And so I gave, I gave the example of sexuality, right, a moment ago, but this, this works for anything, right? Take the way we respond to people who disagree with us. And so, you know, you hear... The lies of the evil one saying, well, they're the enemy, not, not me, right? They are. And if you, don't, if you don't take back what's yours from them, right? If you don't come and get them, then you're going to be in big trouble. You hear those, those lies, and we live in a culture where it's like, well, man, it's fun to vilify your enemies. Like we, this is like entertainment. We, we watch TV shows where we do this. We, we get sucked into Facebook rabbit trails where, where we see people doing that. Like, this is, this is what we do, and then we do it. It's like, well, that kind of felt good. It made me feel really good about my own beliefs, right? All of a sudden, it became way more certain than any, any person has the right to feel, right? And we, we feel, so it plays into those things. You, you follow in that, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so this, this is why, like, even though we generally hate the darkness out there, people, we love some of the darkness in here, don't we? That's why we keep going back to it. And you know I'm right. We often hate the darkness out there, and it makes us feel good to point it out. Like, if I can point out their darkness, man, I feel good about myself, right? But we love some of the darkness in here, and we will do anything to keep it hidden, won't we? To, to hide it away. In fact, just two chapters later in John, so we'll get there in like five years or something, I guess. In chapter three, listen, listen to what he says. So the, the light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works be exposed. Like this, this is why if I were to ask, 
What is the scariest creature on planet Earth? It's not bears, Kelly, right? It's not spiders, it's not snakes. Like, it's you. Like, especially you, right there. No, uh, like us, all of us, like me. Like a bear, a bear will only eat you, right? Or tear your face off. But it doesn't mean any harm. Like, it just, it just does it. Like, but a human, I mean, think about that, Right? We humans, I mean, we are a mixed bag, aren't we, people? We are, we are capable of unimaginable goodness and beauty and unimaginable darkness and horror, right? And so let me ask, will you confess the darkness? Like, will you go into those places, those deep places that you don't want anybody to see, you don't even want to see, and bring it out into the light? Let the light of Jesus shine upon it so he can bring you life. Will you bring it into the light? Okay, so I've been listening to a lot of Johnny Cash lately. I mean, like a weird amount. My family would agree. Like, it's like, it's becoming a problem. It's like, all I do with my free time anymore is I listen to Johnny Cash and I chop wood. That's, that's what I do, okay? Which tells you all you need to know about my mental state right now. It's been a rough, uh, rough view. Um, so I, I, I do that, and, and like, Cash, like, he knew the darkness. I love that picture, right? I love that picture. Because that's, that's, the, that's the Johnny that I typically listen to. I like, I like his older stuff, the stuff right before he died. Um, but he knew about the darkness, right? He battled drug addiction, most of his life, and even like years after he was clean, even as an old man, he said that almost, almost never would there be a day pass where he didn't crave it. Like he understood the darkness. And again, I especially, especially love the last few albums before he died because they're all about the darkness, right? That's, that's all he could, almost all he could sing about towards the end of his life. And the darkness and the longing for light, always the longing for light. Songs like The Beast in Me, it's great, go listen to it, right? Or, or Hurts, if you haven't heard that one. But one of, one of his final recorded songs was I See a Darkness. And I love it because it starts off with him talking about who he wishes he was. Or, or kind of even the image that when he's his best self, he gets to project. You know what I'm saying? We all, we all have that. And so I'll, I'll, let me read a little bit. I'm not going to sing it. Let me read a little bit. He says, well, you know I have a love. A love for everyone I know. And you know that I have a drive to live. I won't let go. But can you see its opposition come rising up sometimes? That its dreadful imposition comes blacking in my mind. And that I see a darkness. 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 Here's a hope that somehow you can save me from this darkness. But what can save us from the darkness? The right politicians? <laughs> the right therapists? The right health care? An end to COVID? More money? A stronger economy? A better spouse? Stronger education? You know, for decades, our culture has said it's education. Once, once we educate, right? Once, once we educate people, the darkness of racism and poverty and justice and sexual abuse, it'll all just go away. How's that working out? 
Anytime people talk about that as education as the light, as our Savior, I mean, believe me, okay, kids stay in school. It's like, I mean, I get it, right? It's important, right? But when people talk about it as if it's going to save society, uh, I always think back to, like, Germany, 1920s, 1930s. They were the most educated people on the planet. Like, if you wanted to get an education, that's where you went. All the scholarship, all the best thinking, all of it came out of Germany. And then they, you know, did the Holocaust, Right? What can save us from the darkness? Well, if you're in the dark, what do you need? A dictionary? No. You need light. And John makes it clear that the light has come. And that our only hope in the darkness is this light. And the light's name is Jesus. Verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Verse, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, we're kind of light-spoiled in our world, aren't we? Like, light is such an easy thing for us. We don't even have to think about it. You just flip on a switch, you get out your cell phone. It's like, no big deal. But like, for John writing this, like, light was kind of a big deal, right? At night, light was a rare commodity. Like, you had to work to get light. There was a limited amount of it, right? Can you just imagine in that world stepping out uh, and having to walk home with, like, no street lights ever, like, and no flashlights, right? Just imagine that. Like, imagine trying to get work done past 6 p.m., right? Like for John, light was precious, rare. And the true light has come. And for those who are willing to acknowledge it, there are three responses that John would have for us. First is to receive the light. Which is kind of a weird thing to say, because like how can you not receive light? It's just sort of there. Like think about that. You, you have to try hard to reject light. You have to like close your eyes, you have to bury your head, uh, you have to leave the room. Like it is hard to reject light. All, like all you have to do to receive him really is just to open your eyes, right? Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children of light. And if you've not done that, maybe today is the day. To confess, confess your sin to him, your, your darkness, right? Your own personal darkness. And let him open your eyes to the light. Just say to Jesus, I'm yours. And receive the light. Receive welcome into his family as a, ch- as a child of light. That's the first thing. Receive the light. Second, once you've done that, you've got to walk in the light, Right? Like, you can't, we can't receive the light. Oh, good. And then just, like, walk away in darkness. That's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why would, you, why would you ever do that? I mean, John, actually, he talks about that in one of his, one of his letters. In 1 John uh, chapter 1, he says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I mean, go back, go back to the cave, right? It's pitch black, lost, trapped. Someone hands you a flashlight, points you in the right direction. You're like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go this way instead. It's probably better over here. It's unthinkable. And to walk, to walk in the light means to reject the darkness. To reject the lies of the evil one. To, to reject the, the darkness within our world, the things that rein, reinforce the darkness. It means even to reject our own disordered desires. And to obey him instead. And those, those dark places that, that you have hidden, or that I have hidden, right? Like those, those sins that you don't want anyone to see, that you don't even want to acknowledge to yourself, like mold, they flourish in the dark. They love it down there. And you have got to bring them into the light before they, before they destroy you. And when you bring them into the light with someone else, another person that you can confess these things to, it breaks the binding hold of shame setting us free from the darkness. Friend, walk in the light. And finally, if Jesus is truly the light that our world needs, then we have to shine the light, right? It just makes sense, doesn't it? Shine the light on the darkness. And so go back to the cave one more time, as much as it pains me to do so. Like, if, if you're there in those places of deep darkness, it only takes the tiny, like, the smallest amount of light to make a difference. And sometimes we, we feel like our light is so insignificant. Like, what can we possibly do? How can we possibly be, be a, a, a voice of, of love and care in a world that can be so dark at times? But the reality is our light shines brightest in the darkest places. Martin Luther King Jr., who understood this, obviously in very profound ways, once said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And as we live in love towards one another, defending the rights of the vulnerable, loving our enemies, sharing the good news of Jesus, we, like, we get to be a part of brightening up our dark world. For the light has come. And even though we rejected the light and we hung him on a cross, the darkness has not overcome it. For on Easter morning, the, the grave filled with light, like Jesus came out, bringing light into the whole world. Nothing could overcome that. And that light changes everything. And when a community of people embrace that light together, that can change the world.